Welcome to the Bring Her Hope podcast. I'm Bethany Bravery, and I'm thrilled that you are here. Each week, I invite a girlfriend on the podcast to share not only the story that God is writing for her, but the story God is redeeming in her life. I can't wait for you to meet each and every one of these amazing women who I know will inspire you to also live out the story that God's calling you to and to give you hope that He will be faithful to redeem your story as well. My guest this week is author Jessica Hoddle. Jessica has watched God take her self-righteous, bitter heart and turn her heart into one with compassion and empathy. Through God and His tenderness towards her, she has been able to help other women know their worth and value are not in the world, but in His Word. Hey friends, Bethany Bravery, welcome back to another episode of the Bringing Her Hope podcast. I am excited to introduce you to my new friend, Jessica Hoddle. Jessica, thanks so much for being on the show. I am so excited to be here. Absolutely. Why don't you tell our friends a little bit about you? Where do I start? Do I start from the beginning? <laughs> Just give us a little, a little bio and then we'll kind of enter into what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, that sounds great. So I am at the time of this recording, I'm 34. I just turned 34 and I've been married to my husband for five years. Uh, we've been together for seven and we met on eHarmony, the dating app. Nice. And, uh, you know, we don't have any kids, but we have animals. We have three cats and I just really... I love helping women dismantle the lies that they believe about themselves, about healing, and just really encourage them to build a relationship with the father. Um, that just lights me up in that, you know, I love talking about the healing through a biblical lens yeah. and what that looks like physically, emotionally, and spiritually as well. I love that. So today we're talking about embracing the truth that God has for your future. Oh, we all need to kind of see it from his perspective and invite him into that. So Jessica, will you take us on your journey? Yes. Yeah, so I guess we'll go to the beginning on this one. Yeah. I think in my journey, I always say it started kind of in the room with my mom. And I grew up in this home where I often saw physical abuse and emotional abuse. And when you grow up in a home like that, you don't know what is right, what is wrong. You only know what you know, mm -hmm. and you don't know any other way of what love is or what caring for somebody should look like or what trust looks like. You only know what you have been able to observe. And as I started to get older, I realized that there was this place, and I mean older, like just turning into my teens, maybe 12 years old, is when I first started turning to men to mm -hmm. kind of escape the reality that I had at home. And when you're that young, you don't know that you're trying to escape that reality. You just know that you want to go somewhere that's safe or that's comforting, or you just want to get out of the place that you hear screaming and yelling all the time. And that was really pretty much me, I would say, for most of my teen years of really kind of escaping home. I don't want to say I turned into a rebellion, but I was definitely um, somebody that just kind of never wanted to be home and kind of, I don't want to say hate, um, hated being around my family, but there was never peace there. And, you know, I just witnessed it, my dad and my mom going at it pretty much up until they got divorced and separated. And so there wasn't a lot of great memories that I can remember of joyful peace. I don't remember a lot of, I love yous or I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of blame and shame and manipulation that happened. And that really led me to my adult years, just 
you know, fending for myself, taking care of myself and learning to survive and, you know, making promises to myself at the age of 16. And that is really when I started taking care of myself and buying my school lunches mm-hmm. when I had my first job. And so I think after that, it was just this idea that, you know, if you're not going to take, if nobody else is going to take care of me, then I have to take care of myself. And I carried that lie and that belief really throughout my twenties and mid twenties and even late twenties. And it really wasn't until I think I met my husband that I felt emotionally and physically safe for the first time, even though I've dated many boyfriends and I've dated sociopaths and those that manipulate and those that were drunks and alcoholics. Mm-hmm. And I dated these guys that I didn't have any business dating, but I was able to learn and look back and go, okay, I was just, I was searching for something to make me feel full love, seen and heard. Mm. And what did, did you have a relationship with God growing up in, in those child years or when did that kind of start playing a role for you? I, I would say 2020 hindsight. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful thing and I can look back now and see the hand of God in the boyfriend's parents that I dated, Mm -hmm. they would come alongside me and they would go against their own judgments of, we don't agree with a teenage girl saying at our son's house that, you know, they're dating, but they would do that for me. They would allow me to take a shower. They would allow me to stay the night because there was times where I didn't have food or I didn't have heat or I didn't have like hot water. Yeah. And it was so kind of the Lord to bring those people and to soften their hearts to almost take me in as their own. And I'm forever, ever grateful for that. And so did my best friends, parents, they took me in as their own as well. So to answer your question though, I didn't receive Jesus until I was 22. So I didn't grow up in a church. I didn't even know what a church was. I didn't know denomination. When I say, open your Bible and read, you know, Matthew 1, 1, didn't know how to find that. What was that? So when I say from the ground, it was the ground. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was this slow and steady relationship build over time. So I didn't have like this, even as a new believer, I wasn't out just spreading the gospel. Like a lot of people say new believers are I had a lot of tainted hmm. views and ideologies even before going into my relationship with God, because there's this God that loves me unconditionally and wants to care for me and take care of me. But my whole life I've taken care of myself. Hmm. So there was a lot of unraveling and unwinding, but I didn't know him until I was 22. Was it ever a struggle for you when, you know, maybe someone mentioned the perspective of God being your heavenly father when parents were not what that definition of love was, was it hard for you to receive the kind of love that he had for you and to feel like maybe you didn't even have to earn it? Mm -hmm. I think even getting to the point in a relationship Mm -hmm. to be able to walk it out. Cause I think that relationships start at very, you know, surface level, we're talking about surface things and Hey, how's your day? And I think we do that with God. We don't really open up. We're not really honest. We're not really vulnerable with the father. And so my relationship really just kind of started out as he was this King on this throne. Mm. And yeah, it sounded so great that I was a Royal priesthood and I was an heir and I was adopted. 
But I didn't fully believe that. It was great to recite and to believe that, but it never really sunk in my heart. And just like any relationship, it took a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And for me, when I began to heal my relationships here on earth is when I began to see the impact of what our pain does and our feelings do yeah. in, you know, basically in line with our relationship with God. Mm. Did you have to get to a place where, or maybe you, maybe you didn't struggle this, but I think sometimes when people hurt us, there's this, this maybe bitterness, this unforgiveness that kind of wells up inside of us and kind of keeps our, our hearts closed off to any kind of love. Did you ever have to walk through the process with the Lord um, for choosing forgiveness with your parents, even if they didn't give you the apology, maybe that you wanted? Mm-hmm. You know, I look back and I always say, um, I even just recently had a conversation with my dad and where I just told him, I said, you're forgiven. Like there, I don't hold this anger towards you anymore. And I think that's, that was important for me to say to him that I release you of what you think that I believe or what you think I think of you. I am not judging you for your choices or your decisions anymore, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't always that way. You know, I definitely harbored anger, hostility, and bitterness. I thought the world had owed me something for my pain. I thought the men that I dated, they better treat me with royalty because this is what I deserve. Right. And then you go to scripture and you see the kindness and you see that this command to forgive and talking about the works of the flesh, anger, hatred, you know, and what that happens. And he's not saying that we don't have feelings. He's not saying, but he's, he's clear in scripture. What is the work of the flesh and what is the work of the spirit? And I truly believe that's out of his love and his kindness because he knows that our flesh brings death. Yeah. He knows what anger does. He knows what unforgiveness does. And guess what? It never brought me life. (laughs) It never brought me life in my relationships, in my conversations with myself, like even a relationship with myself, there was no life there. And it's so kind of him to say, listen, like, I don't want your money. I don't want anything until you go and forgive your brother. I want you. I mean, we look at the New Testament and we see about unity and love and bearing one another's burdens. And he's not doing that to punish us. He's doing it because he knows left her own devices, left in our emotions and our feelings, the death and the destruction that it causes. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I had to confront and take responsibility for my own feelings and begin that process of letting go. It Mm -hmm. didn't mean that it didn't mean that what he did was okay. It just means that I no longer have to hold myself captive or him. Yeah. I'm thinking about the girl who's watching or the girl that's listening. That's like, Jessica, that was my story in high school. I didn't know who I was. I didn't really know my identity and I was hungry for affirmation. I was hungry for attention. I was hungry for some kind of pursuit from guys and I attracted, you know, the wrong kind of guys. Um, And they're maybe even asking themselves, so how were you able to then um, enter into a relationship with your boyfriend and now husband and have that look like a healthy relationship? What kind of healing needed to happen from high school on? 
I think community is really, really important. And community can just mean two people. It can mean a trusted friend. It can mean a counselor, whatever that is that's going to provide you with a different perspective because you don't know what you don't know. And so dating boys or dating men and you keep dating the same kind, it might be a lot of different perspectives that you carry. You might not think that you deserve love. You might not see love if it was in front of you because you're used to being abandoned, neglected, um, feeling as though, you know, you're not good enough. And when trust cycles have been broken over and over again in your life, you're almost just expecting that this next person that comes along is going to do the same thing. Therefore, uh, you know, for me, I was in a business mastermind and there was a business coach and kind of, we called him, I don't know what we called him actually. I think we called him the mindset maven. I can't remember, but he was our spiritual coach, meaning God. And he just transformed into my spiritual father. He accepted that role. He spoke that over me and he was a person. He was my community, so to speak, because I wasn't going to church study. Again, I had a, I had a slow role with my relationship with God. And he's the one that spoke to me about, you know, Ephesians five and talking about the men and women and each other's roles and how different we are and understanding how God kind of programmed us and wired us so very different, but just as important. And that's really when I began to understand and have a different perspective, but what was I looking like or what was I looking for in a man? And how was I leading Mm. as well into that relationship? Was I being needy? Was I showing a lot of skin? Was I trying to pick up people in a bar? Was I just trying to get them to notice me and give me affection because I wanted to be seen? And then I just slowly over time began to heal what I thought men were Mm -hmm. doing. Cause I went from giving myself to men to thinking that men just wanted my body. Like that's all they wanted for me. Yep. And then I had to heal that. Okay. There's men that just because they look at you, they're not looking at you because they want to have sex with you. Or, you know, that's where my mind went. Every time a man was nice to me or gave me a weird look, I was internalizing that, that he saw me as just a piece of me and nobody else was going to like see me as somebody to love and take care of. Yeah. Then I had to heal through that lie. And that really just came from that constant one situation to another of, but what does scripture say? Am I asking the right questions anymore? Am I now asking, what do they believe in? What are their views on this? How are they treating me with their friends? How are they treating me around their family? You know, just things like that. It was a slow progression. And for me, you know, healing through that was I had to be aware. What were my beliefs that I was carrying? Why did I believe this? And a lot of that stems from trauma, like I said, and, and pain and unresolved issues. But for me, again, it was that community that I had that he held me accountable and said, Hey, this, this isn't okay. This isn't right. And I'm like, okay, but then what is right? You know, it's that then I was able to see moving forward. Okay. Now I can be the one that asks the questions to this person. Yeah. How did you go about maybe someone's watching and they're like, okay, I like that. I like that there's accountability. I like that there's someone looking out for me. How, how do I find that, Jessica? What, what if yeah. I don't have that person in my life? What does that look like? I know it's really tricky because I was just misindependent. So I get you. Yeah. Most of the time we're like, you know what? I'm going to do this on my own. 
Yeah. I'm going to work through it. I'm going to heal all the things and I don't need anybody else. Mm -hmm. We think that because that's our defense mechanism. If we let anybody in and they fail us again, Mm -hmm. that will just prove our point all the more. This Mm -hmm. is why I don't need anybody. Wow. It's good. So finding somebody like that is not really a head hunt. You can't, you know, put an ad in the paper or, you know, post on Instagram. It's really being in community. I was in a business mastermind and like, wasn't looking for this person, but he just came into my life and it was just constant pursuit. So for maybe for you, it's being vulnerable. It's being with humility to say, I can't do this by myself anymore. And it's when we get to that point that we can say and start to look to say, okay, can I go to this community? Can I go to this small group? Can I ask this person that I've had my eye on or I followed me followed meaning even in person, or you've connected with this lady at church that you feel connected with. Maybe it's going to her or whoever that is. Maybe it's finally calling that counselor or therapist that you've been putting off. It's, we have to begin to just One, know that we can't do it alone and be able to be vulnerable and welcome in somebody new to our lives because the depth that we love is the depth that we can feel pain. And a lot of times when we feel pain, we just swear off love Mm. so much. They go hand in hand. So my encouragement to you would just be, be vulnerable, go in with humility and you're, it's going to take putting yourself out there a little bit, meaning just walking into the door of a new church and trying different things. Again, going to that pastor or going to the women's, um, the leader, you know, if you have, if it's a bigger church and they have a women's leadership or whatever that is, and just asking, but relation, here's the thing, relationships take time. Mm. And so when you're trying to heal and you're working it with somebody, it takes time to go back and forth for them to ask questions for you to meet up one or twice, once or twice a week, or it's going to be that consistent pursuit. And so it's going to feel, you know, bumpy. It's going to feel rocky, but that's where we welcome, you know, if there's just because there's conflict or misunderstanding, or they say something wrong, or you say something wrong that doesn't dismiss or mean that there's no connection. And I think that's often what we do. Mm, That's good. Good advice. Okay, girl. So you wrote a book. It's called face off with your feelings, break up with the lies from your past and embrace the truth for your future. Who did you write this for? I wrote it for the girl that just believes that God doesn't care about them, Mm -hmm. that God doesn't care about their feelings, that God doesn't care about their situation or their circumstance, that God doesn't care about their pain, that God's putting them in the corner, that God is just waiting for them to be perfect. And I say all that because I've seen both sides of the coin where we see that people say, just feel all your feelings and it's okay. Mm. And then you don't know what to do with your feelings when you're feeling them. And then the other side, we see people say that feelings are bad and you shouldn't have feelings. And then what happens is we end up with a bunch of women walking around feeling shame for what they feel or just feeling all the feelings and then reacting instead of responding And we wonder why we feel overwhelmed and we feel frazzled. And so this book is really to encourage you that God wants you well, Mm -hmm. that your feelings matter because you matter to God. And I integrate both clinical and biblical to make it practical. 
I love that. So let's unpack this feelings concept a little bit as females, not to generalize, but we tend to have a lot of feelings and a lot of emotions. So how do we, you know, take inventory of this is what's going on. And this also is my reality. How do I mix them? How do I listen to them, but not let them be the driver of everything, but also at the same time, understand there's a reason that God gave us feelings. Yeah. I think they, like you just said, you both, you hold them both kind of in your hand and you have the reality, meaning the truth to what you're experiencing. It's not the ultimate truth, but it's a truth that maybe you were abused or maybe this person had said this really mean comment to you. That is true, mm-hmm. right? It's a reality. That doesn't mean that we have to dismiss it. It doesn't mean we have to say things like, well, I'll just get over it. It doesn't matter. I'm okay. I'm fine. We know these programmed responses. And the other side is that we can hold both that truth and also the big T truth at the same time, which is God's word. God doesn't make us or require us to choose one or the other. He just says, once you choose me, if you seek first the kingdom, then everything else will be added into you. So if you just choose me, you can have those feelings. You can have the experiences that you have. I'm not going to leave you in them. And I don't want to shame you for them, mm-hmm. but I want you to come to me and choose me because I'm going to help you put those feelings back into submission. Mm, that's good. And this is kind of like an overgeneralized of that because there's a lot of layers that go into our pain and our trauma and our thought cycle because there's triggers and beliefs and chemicals that are in our body that communicate its information. And I'm not trying to overgeneralize anything, but that is the, the open hand of here's my situation. Here's God. I don't have to choose either or, which is what I think so many of us believe mm-hmm. that we, if, if I'm sad, I have to choose sadness or I have to choose God. Mm. And so we end up in our feelings and then God kind of gets shoved in the corner and then we're left in our feelings and we start to I like to use the word fester, but we just start to, you know, sink in them and we start to meditate on them and then they fester in our heart. And then like scripture says, it's whatever's in our heart is going to come out of our mouths, which is why we react instead of responding, which is why we lash out, which is why we hold offense. So he just says, will you choose me? Cause I didn't just choose you for your knowledge. He didn't just choose you to be logical and reasonable, reasonable. He chose you, all of you. And we see in scripture in Proverbs, it talks about feelings, emotions. It talks about wisdom and um, knowledge as well. And we see even the New Testament, you know, have anger, but do not sin. Do not let, you know, your anger, the sun go down on your anger. It's these things are going to happen, Um, but it's what we do with them that matter. And that's the most important thing that I want women to hear is that you're going to have feelings, but feelings are not a sin. Just because you have anger, just because you have rage or hostility or unforgiveness, these are not a sin, but feelings can lead you to sin. Yeah. So when our flesh rises up in those anger, unforgiveness, bitterness moments, yes, we are operating on our flesh. However, we're not acting on our flesh. Mm-hmm. So that means I'm not going to yell at my husband. I'm not going to go, you know, um, if you have road rage, I'm not going to go tailgate somebody, you know, and follow up behind them. I'm going to choose a different path. And that means that you're, you might feel angry, but you're not going to act on it. So do you, do you see the difference of, I can experience it without 
reacting to it. And that means I can go to the truth of what he says. I can talk to somebody. I can work it out. I can walk it out. Maybe I scream in a pillow, like cry. Like all of these are actually releases that are really good for us in our bodies and just our walk with God too. That's so true. I think it's so interesting that we sometimes live under the lie that we have to come to the Lord. And when we come to him, we have to come perfectly, right? Everything has to be in alignment. Everything needs to look like a pretty white picket fence. And I think about the story, you know, of Adam and Eve and after they've eaten the apple and what they want to do, they want to hide in shame. And the Lord's like, Hey, I'm here. Like, let's talk about this kind of a thing. And they're just, they don't want to talk. And the the truth is at least what I found in my own story, it's when I allow him into even the ugly parts of my life, even when I allow him into the sin and all of that and kind of like take down the walls and open up the windows and allow him in every piece. That's when that deeper, greater intimacy grows. That's when, like you said, he can create, he can heal, you know, he can only heal what we over, we, what we hand over to him, but it's in that posture of being open-handed with him. You mentioned in your book that feelings are safe with God for someone who's, you know, struggled with trusting people. How, why Jessica are my feelings safe with God? I want to piggyback off you really quick of Adam and Eve and when they hid in shame. Yeah. I think an important piece to recognize is that what did they do? Mm-hmm. We, we want to hide. Yep. And I think that's what we often do yep. is feelings come, a painful situation happens. And we see from the fall right at the beginning, they ran and hid. And, and we think that God is leaving us now or that we're alone yep. and God pursued them. So we see this pursuit of God, even when we try to run in hide in our shame, mm-hmm. it's that pursuit. And it's this willingness to do I hear the Lord? Am I willing to hear the Lord? Because they were right. And yeah. so I think that's important for us to recognize too, is that our nature and our bend is to want to run and, and be in shame. Yep. And, but that's when he calls us out and why we are born again yes. and really just seated in heavenly places. So I wanted to piggyback off that really quickly, but to go on to your next question of why our feelings are safe with God is God is this, what I love about him is he's not a pain manager, Mm. a pain taker. He's not going to manipulate my words against me. He's not holding them above my head. He's not waiting for me to mess up. He's not, you know, breaking his trust with me, meaning I have a need. He he meets the need and he consolidates or not consult consoles me in my need. And so there's this constant closing of the loop with him of him meeting my need. So when I think about our feelings are safe with God, it's he's not out waiting to get us like the world can be or where it feels like the world can be against us or wanting to throw words against us. Or especially if you've come from a manipulation past or, you know, again, where you just feel neglected, mm-hmm. we can easily think that if I'm honest and real with God, he's going to punish me. Yeah, Cause I yeah. think a lot of women have been taught that you can't question God. Mm-hmm. And if you question God, then you're not a true believer. And how dare you question God? Yeah. But questions are great. We yeah. see Jesus asking questions Absolutely. all the time. Absolutely. Therefore, we can ask questions about the situations or about the things that we're going to going through. It's only to build a more intimate relationship 
with the father. Yeah. So our feelings are safe with God because we can trust him and trust hinges on truth and consistency. Is God always showing us who he really is? Mm -hmm. And is he being consistent in his promises? So good. I I love that part where you talked about that we can ask God questions. I think we're afraid as girls or women to enter like a wrestle with God in the fact that what if I don't totally yet know it or believe it down with you? He can handle it. He is a big God. He already knows our thoughts before we even think him. He knows our words before we speak him. So if we come to him in the wrestle and we say, we don't understand, but will you show us he wants to do that. And you're right. That's just where that greater intimacy is. So I want to encourage you women, even though we don't all feel like wrestlers, let's do some wrestling with Jesus. It, it's, it's actually a good thing. Um, okay. So first of all, we got to figure out how we can get this book. So what is the best way to purchase your book face off with your feelings? You can just go to jessicahuddle.com and everything will be right there for you. Where to find it, where to get it and some other goodies as well. Love it. And can we follow you on social media? And if so, how do we do that? I am Jessica Hoddle on Instagram and as well as Facebook, but I typically hang out on Instagram, but I'm Jessica Hoddle everywhere. (laughs) So wherever you want to follow me. I love it. And for those of you that are book readers, we have lots of book readers. Jessica is being awesome, partnering with us to do a book giveaway. So you can enter to win at bringingherhope.com for those books. And I got to close out with this one question that I often do, Jessica. In, if you could sit down and have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea with your 15-year-old self, what would you say to her today? To really have kindness and compassion towards yourself. I think if I would have offered myself more, uh, more compassion, more kindness, more patience, I wouldn't have rushed into the situations that I did. Or, you know, when I was 15, thinking about that, I, I was a fighter. I was tough. You weren't going to tell me what to do. I mean, still, you still, when somebody tells me I need to do something, I am like, cross my arms. I'm like, no, I'm not. I still have that little rebellion in me. And that was my survival mode. And so I think I've just had more compassion on myself and just, Hey, this isn't going to be forever. You know, they're doing the best that they can and just being able to look at it from a little bit of a different perspective. Good advice for all of us, I think, to take. So we're going to end on that note. Thank you, Jessica, just for your transparency, your vulnerability, and also just being willing to share the wisdom that God has been showing you through all of this, the healings, the feelings, all of it. So we thank you for that, girl. Thank you so much for having me. Another incredible conversation today. So grateful for the wisdom that Jessica shared about how to truly enter into an intimate relationship with Jesus. She reminded us that our feelings are safe with him and what to do with our emotions, but not allow them to always be the driver. Such great stuff. Don't forget to grab Jessica's book at www.jessicahoddle.com. And last but not least, we are doing a book giveaway with Jessica's book, Face Off With Your Feelings. So head to bringherhope.com to enter. Well, we can't wait to share another story of God's redemption next time, but until then, you keep living those brave stories for Jesus. 
I wanted to take a moment to give a shout out to our sponsor of the Bringing Her Hope podcast, Friends of Hope. Friends of Hope is a nonprofit ministry dedicated to the support of Christian radio, Christian events, new media, and activities that share the good news of Jesus Christ. So thanks again, Friends of Hope, for sponsoring the Bringing Her Hope podcast so we can continue to share more brave and beautiful stories of God's redemption.